Hello, listeners and fellow explorers. This is Living in the Sprawl's lovely and talented producer-slash-wife, Lisa Steinberg. I wanted to thank all of you for your continuous support of the show. As a new podcast on the scene, John and I self-support the logistics and research that go into the show. The number one way to support the show is to rate, review, and share this podcast with everyone you know. Many of you have been doing this, and it has helped immensely. I also invite you to check out our website and the show notes for other ways to support the show. We are currently working with companies we currently use ourselves to get discount codes for our listeners and support the show in the process. These companies include Every Table, Just CBD Store, Gold Belly, Cats Botanicals, and so much more. By using the links on our website, you are letting them know we sent you and in turn supporting the show. You can also support us on Patreon and Podfan. Please check out the website at livinginthesprawlpodcast.com for updates on companies we are working with, our testimonies, links, codes, and new Living in the Sprawl merchandise. Again, thank you to all of you, our lovely listeners, for tuning in every week and allowing us to do what we love. Without further ado, your humble correspondent, John Steinberg. Hello. And welcome to another edition of Living in the Sprawl, Southern California's most adventurous podcast. I am, as always, your humble host and correspondent. My name is John Steinberg, and I am joined by my lovely and infinitely talented producer slash my wife. Her name is Lisa Steinberg. We are the team here at Sprawl Enterprises, ready to bring you yet another exciting, enthralling foray into the vast, expansive terrain that we have lovingly decided to call the Sprawl. On today's show, let's talk about the garden. Let's talk about what's going on in the proverbial backyard. An examination on the program of Southern California's most memorable botanical gardens. Roughly 10 years ago, I was fortunate enough to tour the home and gardens of famed California botanist Luther Burbank. I was struck during my visit at the over 200 plus fruits which had been invented by the horticulturalist, his contributions to the world of plants, appreciating them diversifying the overall playing field, and in general, making the world a better place for both plant and human species alike. At this point, I might have been so foolhardy as to suggest that, oh, gardening, that's like a habit for older women. It's not. It's part of the benefit of growing up, really, that you acquire wisdom as you do sacrifice some of your youth. As now, Lisa and I have toured the Southern California landscape, stopping quite often at some of our most notable botanical gardens. Now, the first botanical garden, at least in the Western world, is credited to the University of Pisa in Italy in the 16th century. Botanical gardens, which, from a definitional standpoint, are there to serve a multitude of functions, including education, conservation, and, in general, the overall betterment of society. As some of those European instincts translated over to the Western portion of the United States, 
California began to really present itself as a hotspot for botanical gardens. The northern portion of the state has an ample amount of such gardens, but those interested in the southern half of the state are in luck, as the region is home to a veritable bumper crop of excellent, extremely memorable botanical gardens. So let's take a look at what we believe to be the 10 most memorable botanical gardens located throughout the Southern California sprawl. At number 10, Gardens of the World. This botanical garden hides in plain sight in Thousand Oaks. It's located in a commercial district of the city down the way from a massive shopping center and litany of accessible restaurants. Now, this is not meant to be confused with the Conejo Valley Botanical Gardens. This is uh, something else. So the Gardens of the World are a lush planter's paradise, boasting of plants from every corner of the world. The Gardens of the World offer folks the opportunity to interact with plants native to Australia, Asia, and Africa. What Gardens of the World lacks in overall size, it more than substitutes for in overall quality. This is the type of place that, to my mind, would fit in better in something akin to a biodome scenario. In other words, there's no earthly way that such a lovely cornucopia of plants and flowers from across the globe should exist in basically downtown Thousand Oaks. And sometimes with visiting botanical gardens, it can be difficult to find your footing, to know what you should be focusing on, concentrating your attention on. But here, because the gardens are of a smaller stature than others that we'll discuss on this list, you can get through the whole garden in a relatively short amount of time. Beautiful and a great way to get your feet wet, as it were, as you attempt to bear witness to the best botanical gardens that we have to offer here in Southern California. A great start to our list at number 10, Gardens of the World, hiding in plain sight in Thousand Oaks. At number 9, Sherman Gardens. This is in the Corona del Mar section of Newport Beach. Located on the Pacific Coast Highway, this was the type of place that used to serve as the site of many elementary school field trips. Being from the area, this was my first interaction with Sherman Gardens. Another gorgeous example of an urbanized garden that really has no business existing along a stretch of Pacific Coast Highway dotted with businesses like Golden Spoon Yogurt and Rothschild's Upscale Steakhouse. The gardens were named for noted Los Angeles area developer M.H. Sherman or Moses Sherman who Angelinos might recognize, or at least they'll recognize his name, as being the Sherman of Sherman Oaks, the neighborhood in the San Fernando Valley, and the major thoroughfare in that same valley, uh, Sherman Way. 
Arnold Haskell gave the Gardens this name as Moses Sherman had been his mentor. And after 1955, Sherman Gardens became an integral part of the Corona del Mar section of the city. Everyone hailing from the Newport Beach area is familiar with Sherman Gardens, and they are often sought out for events like weddings, reunions, and other similar celebrations. Yet another example of truly amazing gardens hiding right there in plain sight on the Pacific Coast Highway in Corona del Mar. Number nine, Sherman Library and Gardens in Newport Beach. And number eight, the Alta Vista Gardens. This is in northern San Diego County in the city of Vista. There's this whole portion of northern San Diego County that often goes unmentioned. We're talking about places like Valley Center and Vista, in addition to a number of other areas. We've touched upon Vista in a prior episode. This is, of course, where the Belching Beaver Brewery is headquartered. And the Alta Vista Gardens are another reason why you should avoid skipping over this area on your next visit to the San Diego area. The idea for the gardens was presented roughly 30 years ago, but they didn't become a reality until the last 15 or so years. They serve that all-important educational function as a staging ground for local students as they piece together their own relationships to horticulture, plants, trees, and the rest of the surrounding environment. A number of different portions of the garden are of note. There are about seven or eight different areas of the gardens that you can visit, tour, and learn from. The Alta Vista Gardens is home to a world-class butterfly garden. And indeed, the whole garden is chocked full of beautiful butterflies. A wonderful place to learn about nature, connect with the greater environment, and brush up on all things butterfly. We recommend a visit to the Alta Vista Gardens in San Diego County in that often overlooked city of Vista. Number seven, the Los Angeles County Arboretum and Botanical Gardens. This is in Arcadia and is one of what feels like about a million different projects commissioned by Henry Edwards Huntington. Huntington and his second wife, Arabella, called what's now known as the Los Angeles County Arboretum, this whole area, uh, their home for the first couple of decades in the 20th century. And actually, for anyone unfamiliar with this area, when you visit, you will undoubtedly come face to face with wild peacocks. And this is because Mr. Huntington had peacocks flown in from India as they were not native to the region. And they began breeding. And lo and behold, a hundred years later, peacocks roam all portions of Arcadia. 
So in addition to the unforgettable array of plants, trees, and flowers that you'll find at the Botanical Garden, you will also get up close and personal with some wild peacocks. Additionally, Huntington's haunted, supposedly haunted, Queen Anne-style cottage is located on the property, as are some barns where horses were bred so as to be able to compete at the nearby Santa Anita racetrack. We're talking over 100 acres worth of plants for you to behold, learn from, feast your eyes upon, that are all on the grounds here at the Arboretum and Botanical Garden. This is not your run-of-the-mill, kind of upstart, underdog story, local boy makes good. It's not that. It's a massive property with, did I mention, over 100 acres of incredible foliage for you to investigate for yourself. And number seven, it's the Los Angeles County Arboretum and Botanical Garden in Arcadia. And number six, South Coast Botanical Gardens, located in Palos Verdes. This 87-acre property boasts plants, flowers, and trees from all across the globe, with particular emphasis placed on offerings from desert climates and oceanic areas. There are some animals for youngsters to have a bit of fun with. Flamingos, for example, call South Coast their home. And this has also been utilized as a filming location. No spoilers, but see the last couple episodes of the second season of Dexter to know what I'm talking about. Like the Los Angeles County Arboretum, this botanical garden is often used as a venue for weddings and other such ceremonies. And on hand, you can walk away with some incredible plants for yourself from their gift shop. As if the Palos Verdes Peninsula were not breathtaking enough, they needed to go ahead and also have the South Coast Botanical Garden. And number five, the Virginia Robinson Gardens at her former Beverly Hills estate. This is one of those properties where you have to reserve a tour, most likely on a weekend, and drive through a ridiculous residential area in order to find, only to realize that once you have parked your car at the property's exterior, a neighbor is tapping your window, stating, you have to park inside, actually inside the property. This is not part of the property. This is Beverly Hills, and... um. This is Beverly Hills. But if you find yourself so fortunate as to tour the Virginia Robinson Home and Gardens, you will be treated to a wondrous hour and a half crammed with lush vegetation, remarkable flowers, and additionally, a story that cannot be duplicated. Virginia Robinson, widow of the Robinson from, you know, Robinson's May, department store magnate was something of a Beverly Hills matriarch. The estate is considered one of the first, it's actually considered the first mansion in 
kind of the United States capital of mansions, Beverly Hills. Virginia Robinson lived to be in her late 90s and resided at the property until 1977, but she'd been a widow for going on 40 plus years at that time. So being a widow and being very interested in beautiful things, she decided to turn part of her property into a singularly resplendent garden. Again, you do need reservations and yeah, it's a little bit of a headache, but ultimately, if you do decide to take the tour, you'll learn a great deal about the plants on site, but also a great deal about the history of Beverly Hills. And if you're thinking, hmm, Beverly Hills and history, isn't that an oxymoron? Most of the time I'd be inclined to agree, but in the case of this particular property, that is actually not the case. For a great trip into the past, check out the Virginia Robinson Home and Gardens in Beverly Hills. And number four, the Botanical Gardens at Balboa Park in San Diego. Now, we've discussed Balboa Park on a couple of different episodes, noting the museums located within the grounds of the park, the zoo. There's a lot going on at Balboa Park. And the garden, or gardens, here are a little bit different than some of the others already mentioned on the podcast. There are just under 10 uniquely different but equally awesome gardens scattered around the enormous Balboa Park. There's the Zorro Garden. There are sections devoted to a Japanese garden, Chinese garden, a desert garden. At Balboa Park, the botanical gardens cater to any and everyone in any conceivable mood. While no specific of these gardens necessarily merit inclusion on a list such as this, in totality, they absolutely do and they deserve to be this high. Beautiful, of course. Fascinating, yes. Expansive, absolutely. The botanical gardens at Balboa Park are surely not to be missed on your next visit to this iconic all things to all people, gem of a quote-unquote park in San Diego, this being, of course, Balboa Park. Nothing quite like it. And number three, Lotus Land. This is a home in the hills of Montecito with a garden which was essentially passed down from one owner to another and then amplified and expanded upon over the course of many decades. A one-time failed opera singer, Gena Walskoff, found herself the owner of this fantastical property after splitting from her sixth husband. The original owners of the property, a Mr. and Mrs. Stevens, had initially taken part of the 37 acres on which the property exists turning them into what at the time was considered a very modern, chic botanical garden. But when Miss Wolfskoff inherited the property, she really blew out all expectations. Here you've got plants from South America, Africa, Asia, 
And like the Virginia Robinson home and gardens, this is yet another situation where you're going to have to call, get a reservation. I won't say how much it costs, but the price is a little bit inflated. And there are only a finite amount of visitors permitted to enter the grounds in any given year. This is a residential property and, well, when you're paying the kinds of property taxes that the folks here are probably paying on a yearly basis, I would think you're kind of paying for this hassle sort of not to exist on your block. But if you are one of the lucky and fortunate enough to tour Lotus Land, you'll be treated to incredible vistas stockpiled with plants, flowers, and trees that rival anything that you're liable to see at any institution in the United States. Lotus Land is a special place in a beyond charming setting. And if you can get yourself a reservation, we recommend doing so so that you can have the personal experience of touring Lotus Land. And number two, the Huntington Library and Botanical Gardens in San Marino. This is the second time that we've been compelled to mention the exploits of one Henry Edwards Huntington, as this landmark property is home to over 120 acres loaded with the beautiful plants and flowers and trees and foliage that you would expect from someone so seemingly legendary in the annals of Southern California history. The Huntington has an unparalleled collection of manuscripts, documents, and works of art, but it's maybe the gardens that give the place their reputation as a singular destination for all things of the finer sphere in life. Plants native to nations such as China, Australia, Japan, Brazil, they're all represented in due course on site here. And it's interesting, if you kind of study the San Gabriel Valley, this area, because we've already talked about Arcadia, now we're mentioning San Marino, there's a lot of space in this particular part of the sprawl, dramatically different from an area like the Gateway Cities, Downey, Cudahy, Santa Fe Springs, that whole part of the sprawl. Here there's room for a project such as this to really exist. And for visitors that don't have a great deal of time to spend here, you could visit multiple botanical gardens in the same day as they are not that far apart. Getting more airtime than one might imagine he deserves, it's Henry Edwards Huntington's Huntington Botanical Gardens. At number one, da, 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 the Descanso Gardens in La Cañada, Flint Ridge. This is just one of the most beautiful places anywhere in Southern California. The type of location where you could take your mother, your father, your grandmother, you can make it a whole family outing if you so desired, and everyone would sort of come away extremely happy. Gorgeous plants, exceptional flowers, trees and odes to nature that you just won't find anywhere in a city as developed as Los Angeles. 
Descanso Gardens exists to remind us of what's possible. For anyone that grew up gardening, going to environmental nature centers, or anyone that just had a bug collection growing up, something as expansive and wonderful as Descanso should be a requisite part of any visit to the area. We're talking 150 acres worth of loveliness on hand at Descanso. Even if you wanted to survey the entirety of the grounds, you couldn't do that in just one day. You would need multiple days if you wanted to see absolutely everything. But even if you're there on a quick jaunt, you can still gain a deep appreciation for all things nature. And as was already mentioned on the podcast, La Cañada Flint Ridge not that far from San Marino and Arcadia. So if you really uh, were short on time, you could knock all of those out in one day if you were just trying to really see the highlights and see the basics. But for the real botanists in your party, this over any other spot is the first place that should be incorporated on your sprawl botanical garden itinerary. And that's going to do it for another installment of the show. I'd like to thank everyone for their continued support. It does mean the world to us. Hop on Apple, iTunes, wherever you listen to the show. Leave us a five-star rating and a kind review. That stuff really has an outsized impact on the life cycle of a podcast. Our Instagram handle is living in the sprawl. And we invite any and all of your feedback Drop us a line at livinginthesprawlpodcast at gmail.com. And we'd like to direct you again to our phenomenal website. And it's on the website that you can get your hands on a copy of the Living in the Sprawl Guide so that you don't have to go combing through old archived episodes of the show, scouring all in search of that one specific restaurant recommendation you vaguely remember hearing like a year ago. Don't do that. Save the time. Get the Living in the Sprawl Guide instead. And while you're there, check out our merchandise. We have some terrific merchandise on that website. Magnets, seriously elegant mugs. All of them can be yours by checking out the Living in the Sprawl website. So it's on behalf of myself, I am, as always, your humble correspondent and host. My name is John Steinberg, joined by my lovely and talented producer slash my wife. Her name is Lisa Steinberg. We are the team here at Sprawl Enterprises, thanking you from the bottom of our hearts for listening to yet another episode of Living in the Sprawl, Southern California's most adventurous podcast. Talk to you guys very soon.